the acquisition of information is valuable and the application of that information is required in order to transition to knowledge and then experiencing the application over time in, in various environments and through various events, that knowledge can transition to becoming wisdom. Hello, Positive Leaders. Thanks for joining us today. You are listening to the Positive Leadership Podcast with Andrea Crabtree and David Liss, a podcast for everything a veterinary manager needs to know to get the job done. We've been there and we know how hard it is and are here to help share our knowledge and expertise to elevate you. I'm Andrea Crabtree, co-founder of Positive Leadership Podcast, owner of FurPause Consulting, a certified veterinary practice manager, and HR certified professional. And I'm David Liss, co-founder of the Positive Leadership Podcast. I'm also a certified veterinary practice manager, hold an MBA, and I'm a registered veterinary technician. And this podcast is for you, the veterinary practice manager, supervisor, leader. We want to elevate you by equipping you with relevant content, material, guidelines, instruction, feedback, and pro tricks and tips. We will deliver real life experience along with our super smart guests that will get you through the obstacles that you're facing today with some bloopers and blunders along the way to remind you that you're not alone. PetDesk is excited to announce its integration with EasyVet. If you're tired of spending hours on the phone booking appointments, processing payments, and sending reminders to your patients, then it's time to switch to PetDesk. PetDesk is the all-in-one patient journey solution that simplifies the flow of your veterinary practice. PetDesk's suite of solutions includes online booking, VoIP services, a mobile app, workflow management tools, payment processing, and much more. And right now, PetDesk is offering an exclusive deal for EasyVet clinics. If you purchase PetDesk by July 31st, you'll receive a $100 Visa gift card. Hurry, hurry, don't miss out on this amazing offer. Head to www.petdesk.com forward slash EasyVet now. Hello again, positive leaders. We are so, so, so excited to be back with you again. And another returning guest, Rob Best is in the house. Woo, woo, woo. Hey. Welcome back, woo, Rob. Woo, woo. Back. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been too long. I miss you both. <laughs> so good to have you back. Rob, for our listeners, is the Chief Executive Officer at Best Leadership and the CEO of Sage Global. He is a certified veterinary practice manager and is certified in the fundamentals of neuroleadership. So welcome again, Rob. Thanks for coming back. Thank you so much, David. Great to hear your voice. So we do not read stuffy bios at the Positive Leadership Podcast. So without having to read that, would you tell the listeners about yourself? I always struggle with this. And I feel like most people in veterinary medicine can because we're not the best self-promoters. So I like to think of myself in a very simplistic way, which is I help people. I've learned the evidence-based side of how to help people. And that's where I, I focus my efforts. And in various ways, depending on who is in search of some, some support, I step in and I provide some help. Awesome. I mean, it's fun that, I don't know if you know, Andrea, but Rob and I worked together at VCA when he was a regional director and then moved into yeah. training. So That's I've like worked for and in parallel with Rob for many, many years. And then it's very exciting to see that he has kind of spun off and is doing 
basically what he does so well in supporting and consulting and leadership. So super, super fun to kind of bring this full circle. <laughs> yeah, Same here, David. It's been a long, long, long journey, but and I'm gosh, I'm so happy to to have consistency like the two of you along the along for the ride. For sure. Hey, so do you have a kind of a recent favorite book or I bet you do podcast course or something that has left a, either a lasting or a newer effect on you with regards to leadership or something fun? Yeah, you know, there's two that stick with me as like personal favorites. Often I return to them at least once or twice a year, whether just for my own read or to leverage and supporting other people. One is called Stealing Fire for people that really like to lean into that next level of performance. You know, it's not just the Navy SEALs, it's SEAL Team 6. You know, like, like who, who are the, the best of the best? And, and how do you navigate the mental challenges and develop an, a growth of resilience to reach whatever the next level of performance is for you? Stealing fire is always a favorite of mine for that. And another, this is one of those like old school, will never go away. It's called the Game Land for Life by John Wooden. Some people know that I have a basketball background and John Wooden is is revered by many as one of the greatest coaches of all sports of all time. And he he just he has this set of life lessons over the course of many books that he shared them. But Game Plan for Life is a really great summary of mindsets and um, intentionality that you can adopt for success. So those are two of my favorites. Excellent. I haven't heard of either one of them. And I have a son and a nephew that are big basketball fans. So game plan for life, I will put in the inbox and uh, share with them and uh, take a peek at stealing fire. Rob, last time you were on the show, I geeked out a little bit. We talked about some of my favorite topics, neural leadership, which I learned a ton from you on that episode, emotional intelligence, and of course, all things leadership. However, you have a few more topics that I have recently discovered that you are passionate about. Those include good old psychological safety. This is a new mm-hmm. one I had heard. I'm excited to chat with you about organizational culture and agility and mm-hmm. influencing human behavior. Why these topics? Like, what is it about? Where do you come up with these? Why do you geek out on them? What makes them so special to you? You know, this is my Brene Brown moment of the day, if you would. So leaning into a little vulnerability, I geek out on these because I have a history of being afraid of being hurt by other people. We have our stories. We all have our past. Part of mine includes some you know, unforeseen moments that were painful. And the way I processed things as a kid and as a young adult, I boxed up. I was able to remain very communicative and social with people and, and I could build relationships, but I kept people and those relationships at a safe distance emotionally. And so at some point professionally, I started seeing opportunities to more about the science of these behaviors. And I told myself that I was leaning into some of my postgraduate education specifically to advance my career. And the reality was, no, I was masking the reality, which was I'm learning how to protect myself from being hurt by people. And in one way, it worked for me because my career did advance. And in another way, it didn't necessarily work for me because I was continuing to keep people at a distance. And it was one of those necessary moments in my own personal growth to recognize that I could continue leveraging 
a particular interest and skill set to help others while also growing my own confidence in being vulnerable, whether it's on stage giving a keynote, whether it's one-on-one when coaching a high-level leader or working with a high-level leadership team. And of course, with my personal relationships in my personal life, being more vulnerable and open to others was a necessity for me to learn. And it only made, once I was able to do that, it made me more capable of supporting people professionally. So when I think of things like psychological safety, this is the this equivalent to having emotional safety exist in the environment, something that's absolutely necessary with a professional team or organization if you want things like increased retention, high performance, job satisfaction. Yeah. These are di- yeah. directly related to the levels of emotional 100%. safety. Translating it to organizational culture and identity, well, the emotional safety in that environment will help determine what the entire environment continues to operate as, which ultimately defines the culture. So how do you want your culture to be defined? Well, let's start with the existing levels of emotional safety and work how we can grow those. And the way we're going to grow those is through our understanding of how we can read and influence human behavior. So they're all interconnected. And the, the origin is from my own personal fears and pains and the other side of the coin is what an awesome journey because now I'm more prepared and capable to help others navigate this professionally. I loved what you said. I mean, I, when I think of psychological safety, I almost think of the symptom or I guess antithesis, which would be like workplace toxicity. I think a lot of stuff yeah. somewhat stems from that, right? Like why do we have a toxic culture? Well, we have a toxic culture because nobody can speak up, right? Or, or whatever. So, you know, toxicity workplace toxicity, toxic culture, these seem to be buzzwords. And I mean, I hate the word buzzword, but you know what I'm referring to, that they're just popping up all over the place and being identified, of course, which is good, but especially in veterinary medicine, right? I mean, I think you could probably do article searches 15 years ago on toxic workplace and nothing comes up. And then you could Google it today and see 32 articles in the last three years. So from where you sit as an expert and a consultant, what are you seeing and doing about identifying and measuring workplace toxicity or or toxic workplaces? And then what are the next steps when you then engage in a consultancy or things you did in prior roles? Like what are things you've done in in efforts to kind of correct and change that on the floor, in the hospital, and even for the greater profession? Happy that you're bringing this into the conversation. It's one of those water conversations. And if we keep it around the water cooler for a moment and just get real, we start by understanding and accepting the understanding of hurt people hurt people. Right, I, many of us have that before, and and it, we've heard it before because it's true. Hurt people hurt people. So when you have toxicity that's in the environment, it will continue to spiral. So what do we do about this? Okay, if we step away from the water cooler and start to get a little intentional and academic about it, we begin with understanding that our brains at neutral are fear based. So we're already entering an environment with a set of natural and biologic fears that exist. And best case scenario, we have a leadership team that has been intentional with creating an environment that increases the emotional safety so that those fears can begin to subside. Once we're in that environment, though, toxicity or not, the fears are going to drive defensive behaviors. Again, this is biologic. This isn't theory. This isn't maybe one day it happens and the next day it doesn't. No, fears and defensive behaviors are going to exist. 
what we need to do to overcome it is become more aware of what are my defensive behaviors, not just the physiological reactions that we cannot necessarily prevent, but the learned behaviors that follow those physiological reactions. So I may have a natural fear. And when I do, I know my heart rate increases. When my heart rate increases, I know I have a tendency to leave the room. I'm supposed to be the leader. I have two associates who are arguing and my learned behavior leads to me exiting the room as opposed to helping them navigate or initiate the conversation. So the first step in overcoming that is let me become more aware of of the fears and the defensive behaviors. The next step is we begin helping people learn more about emotional intelligence and how to grow their emotional intelligence. The first two of the five EQ components are self-awareness and self-regulation. So we address the awareness. Let me be more aware of my fears and defensive behaviors. Next is how do I regulate my behaviors that follow? And it's connected to emotional intelligence because the intentionality that comes with EQ is required in order to activate behaviors that can overcome these defensive behaviors that are everywhere. And this is barely scratching the surface, as you can imagine, right? But how do we begin the process of the awareness and the and the regulation? Toxicity is going to exist to some extent, dating back to the water cooler conversation. Hurt people, hurt people. At a neutral, we're already fear-based. And that's okay. It's not a positive or negative. It just is what it is. And it's okay. Now, what can we do about it? Let's be aware and let's be more intentional with how we choose to operate from day to day around the people in our practice. I like how you talk about leaning in. Once we have some self-recognition and self-awareness, right, the next step is to lean into those conversations and make awareness there. And I love that. And I feel like that's where we start rolling up our shirt sleeves, right, and getting in the trenches. But I will tell you that like HR and people, they're exhausting. Like those are exhausting conversations. (laughs) That's exhausting and they're time consuming. And then they end up leaving us anyway. So now it's it's an added expense. You know, we've trained all these people. We've done all these things. We've leaned in these conversations or whatever, and they still leave us. So why should caring for people be a priority? Why is it that we should even bother to lean in, especially from hearing you and your story, it's painful and it can be time consuming and it costs money. And then even if we can convince our practice owners, oftentimes they don't necessarily feel like it's financially worth it. So talk to us a little bit about that bomb. (laughs) I, I know. I love this part of the conversation because it's consistent. In fact, I'll go just a hair deeper is when you talk about HR and peopling, organizations will sometimes want these conversations to occur. Those organizations who have enough resource where they actually have an HR team, they want these conversations in the HR team. And that's okay. It can be a part of the HR team. The reality is to make progress, this conversation isn't one that lives with HR. HR can help support it. However, it needs to Yeah, it has to go outside those doors. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. It has to go outside the doors. And it has to be driven by leadership. So if we're talking about private practice, ownership, doctors, medical director, hospital managers, they're the ones who have to drive this. If it's larger organization, then whoever the senior leadership team or represents the senior leadership team is, they're the ones who have to drive this. And the piece that makes the conversation so easy for me is you just just consider three simple basics, right? 100% of all clients are people. 
you know, our patients are pets, but our clients are people. 100% of all clients are people. 100% of all investors for the large organizations are people. And 100% of all of our employees in these hospitals are people. If you don't learn to understand people, then you don't know business. Right. You can't have one without the other, especially sure. not in our industry. So when people are concerned about the level of resource or investment required in order to, to make some measurable progress or measurable improvement with their peopling and their HR efforts in this regard, it's a no-brainer. And for those who need the academics behind it, the stati- there, there are decades of mm-hmm. statistical evidence available that help direct these efforts specifically toward things like sales, production, efficiency, mm-hmm. retention, recruit, like they're, they're all directly connected. So it's, it's an easy conversation for me to have. It's a fun conversation for me to have, especially if, if it's a new concept for someone to lean into. Mm-hmm. I mean, great point. So I think about how do, I loved how you said it's got to stem from leadership. So how do leaders get good at this stuff. And I, and I want to kind of frame that up a little bit about what you do. So you're a leadership coach. Is having a professional coach worth it? And would you say that leaders can just get good at leadership by listening to Brene Brown once a year? How can you as a coach or, or why would having a leadership coach help leaders develop the skills that they need so that the psychological safety and all of the other kind of organizational best practices and and really terms and things that make a positive workplace culture can stem from the top because those folks are either not hurt people, but many of us have past. And so maybe they're hurt people that have done the work to not be hurt, right? Because you said hurt people hurt people. So kind of wondering, like, how does coaching fit into this? And that to me seems kind of like an action and some work that we could do versus just listening to a book doesn't mean that, of course, that can't affect us, but would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, David, with your background, you'll connect to this really well because it, there's stark differences between information, knowledge, and wisdom, right? And for us to receive something, whether it's academic versus having an adult beverage during happy hour with some colleagues, the acquisition of information is valuable. And the application of that information is required in order to transition to knowledge. And then experiencing the application over time in, in various environments and through various events, that knowledge can transition to becoming wisdom, right? So David, you're an educator who also has real world experience, and you're able to talk with people in ways that can speak to the academic technical skill set. And then yet you can include the human skill in your conversations to help people understand how what they may have just read in this book applies to real life. The way I like to describe or give a paint a picture with words, if you would, for the support that I might give in a similar way is we're all navigating the same seas right now and in different areas around the globe. And we don't know when the next storm is going to come our direction. And no matter how many books you've read about sailing the seas, no matter how many podcasts you've listened to, how many YouTube videos you've watched, No matter how many conferences you've gone and sat and taken notes about the details of how to navigate the waters, until that storm hits you and you're in a position for the very first time to have to navigate a 20-foot swell 
in a way that won't capsize your boat. Who has to go where, when, for what reasons? And in doing so, you may still find yourself in a situation where, oh my gosh, this wasn't anything that I read or watched or listened to. And now what do I do? There's this massive element of the unknown that is going to exist. And if a experienced professional can help guide you through navigating storms, they can, they can point out potential pitfalls before they come. They can help you prepare for the storm in a greater way before it hits. You know, who needs to be in what position and at what time and for what reasons? And then the real underlying purpose for my specific work behind all of this becomes, well, from the human side, right? Hard skills versus soft skills. I like hard skills versus human skills. I think that's more appropriate. Hard skills are the technical skill set. We can, we can read that in a book and understand it to an extent. The human skill aspect is, well, now how do I create an environment on this ship where people feel motivated to navigate the storm and not jump ship? That becomes one of my most valuable assets that I can bring forward for a leader, a team, or an organization is, okay, this is someone who can help us navigate the waters, but before that storm even gets there, what do we do to put our people in the right positions and in the right mindset so they feel motivated to help us through this storm as opposed to grabbing that life raft and swimming away or paddling away, if you would. We can have a whole nother hour on the advantages of having a professional support a leader or a leadership team. It's like, pick your topic and we can spiral for hours and spare you from that. Of course, we'll just, we'll leave it at, if, if you've got someone who has, who has navigated the storm, think of them as whether it's me or somebody else, just think of them as, as that North star. We're not going anywhere. We're here. We got your back. We support you. And, and we, we can see what's on the other side of that dark cloud and, and we're the ones that can help get you there. Yeah, I do like seeing it from a, a sports analogy, right? That we can often see, consultants can often see when they come in and see something right from a coach perspective, right? Looking over the basketball court, if you will, the pitch for me and seeing how navigating through different plays or exercises or what muscles we need to work in order to win the game, if you will. So similar to your boat analogy, but I do definitely see how, you know, that storm analogy works really well for how can we best utilize a professional coach. I would like to ask you, you know, when we talk about caring for people and peopling and HR and these types of things, oftentimes through this process of applying information and creating knowledge and those types of things, getting a coach, through a process, I see often that practices or managers, leadership, if you will, make some epic mistakes that have some lasting effect on either the veterinary practice, the culture or people uh, that we are trying to manage. Can you give us maybe two or three mistakes that we really should stop doing right away when we talk about caring for people that we make on a regular basis that can be damaging to our practices and our people? Yeah, you know, this is a difficult one for me to process because it's so situational. There are consistencies around our industry, absolutely. And yet when you get into the details of potential mistakes that are being made, they really are particular to the environments. So my instinct is to just jump right toward 
some of the obvious here. You know, like stop reacting. That would be number one. Stop reacting. Yes. Pause for a moment. Uh, allow yourself to have an actual mental reset. And there's several different ways we can establish momentary mental resets. And these take seconds. You know, it's not like you got to walk away for an hour and leave the operation and hope that the practice sustains for that. No, no. There's things that take seconds to stop reacting in ways that you can become more aware and intentional with what comes next. And we mentioned defensive behaviors earlier. That's one of the very first mistakes that I'll see with a consistency, regardless of environment. We know the defensive behaviors are there. They are reactions as opposed to intentional responses. That would be the first for awareness. The, the second that comes to mind, and this is one for those of you who are academic, this will, this will, will resonate with you. It's found in unconscious biases. The number one gap between what science knows today and the lack of what business takes action on today is unconscious bias. And there's a whole long list, of course, but just a few of the most common that, that you'll understand. Like perception is one of them. It's believing something about an entire group of people based on potential stereotypes or assumptions. One of the ones I fall into often is confirmation bias, which is finding reasons and ways to confirm your own beliefs about a person or a group of people or a situation. Some people have affinity bias, which is when we're more likely to favor people who are like us, or this one is prevalent in, in vet med for sure, which is a group thing, you know, trying a little too hard to fit into a particular group or culture. Unconscious bias is one of those daily mistakes that are happening. And just as it's titled, it's unconscious. You're literally, it's not intentional. We're not aware of it. And yet it can cause harm in ways that harm our ability to support a culture that may otherwise be much greater in things like inclusivity and diversity and equity. And, you know, th these aren't just buzzwords. These are things that are necessary, especially from measurable business results. If you want your hospital to be different, a hospital across the street and provide greater levels of client experience and employee experience, well, then to think with higher levels of creativity and innovation to make that happen, you need to separate from unconscious biases and create a culture that is higher in inclusivity and, and diversity and equity. Mm. So those are the first two. The, the third one we'll just leave as a piece to the puzzle for separate conversations, which is a lack of leadership development. That has been evident industry-wide oh, yes. for a long, long time. Yes. And the reason I'm here, right? I, I hope to help yeah. in this particular yeah. area. But that, that would be the third. I mean, that's great. It's funny you mentioned the unconscious biases or the, the cognitive biases. I always think of the halo effect, too. So mm -hmm. often we say somebody is good or bad at their job or they are a good or bad employee or they're good or bad aligned with the culture. And, and I try to stop doing that. I just try to think of them as they are and assess them objectively. So, you know, do they answer the phone within three rings? Do they smile when they, you know, whatever the kind of more objective measures are versus, oh, they're a good receptionist. Well, that that doesn't say much. And so unfortunately, when we do that, we we leaned into that also. So it was great that you mentioned those because I think we we all are fall into those basically traps. And then you're right that it kind of clouds what we can do. So you've given us some great ideas. I love the, the last question, kind of conceptual framework piece. We record these on Fridays and we release them on Wednesdays. And we always like to try to wrap the kind of question and answer section with like just like one or two minute elephant bite type of 
action steps that somebody could literally take on Thursday morning when they're listening to our podcast? So like, what are one or two things you think somebody could literally do tomorrow morning that would make a make an inch of progress in folks essentially leading great teams, dismantling their toxic workplaces or supporting their positive workplaces? You know, I love this. When you talk about immediate impact, right? Like, do, do I need to go through four more years of school? Like, no, no, no. How do I have impact tomorrow? From a leadership perspective, especially, let's just start with the understanding that your presence alone affects the environment. Your presence alone influences people around you. Regardless of what you say or how you choose to behave after you arrive, your arrival all by itself has shifted the environment, right? You are never in a state where you are not transmitting information. So from the moment you walk through that door, you have affected the environment. People sometimes, I have a I have this photography side hustle and I get to travel around and photograph life from time to time. And I sometimes go on assignment and I'll get asked to photograph wildlife, quote unquote, in its natural environment. And I can almost never capture what would be a true natural environment image because I'm now in their environment. It's no longer natural and wild. And you see it through the lens. If you were to do the same in a business study of any sort within one of our veterinary hospitals or elsewhere, you'll see similarities in how people's reactions and behaviors change simply by a leader being present. So what do I do about that? So one, being aware of it alone can help you make intentional adjustments. The next is, okay, well, what is the influence I want to have? Do I want people to feel welcomed and emotionally safe in my presence? Well, just start with the obvious. What does that mean? It means make eye contact, smile, acknowledge people, say thank you, right? When we think about how do we incentivize people to want to stay here, want to do more, it rarely is connected to money. People talk about raises and this person's offering this and that, and it is a factor and it needs to be part of the conversation. However, the more influential factors are not money related. It's relating to things like emotional safety and appreciation. You know, affirm your team as being good and welcomed and appreciated team members. So what can you do tomorrow? Walk in, smile, make eye contact. Be aware that those little things are probably going to affect the next several hours of someone else's performance simply because you walk in the hospital, say a quick hello, and go straight back to wherever your office happens to be or go straight to the exam room that you need to be in or that micro moment of opportunity that you missed to have an authentic exchange for just a few seconds is a missed opportunity to support someone and help them feel like they're actually part of your environment, part of your culture. So what happens six months later when a storm comes, that person who you consistently missed micro opportunities to connect with each morning when you walked in the practice, they're the first ones that leave. And they're not leaving because someone else offered them more money. They're leaving because of the people around them and the missed opportunities to feel more connected to your team. I love that. I'm still digesting, but I love that when you just said just being there just changes the culture. Because oftentimes I will tell managers that, you know, the cat's away, the mice will play. But when the cat comes back, (laughs) right, when you're there, there's such a dynamic shift in the mentality and the culture when you're just there and you're just being present with your team. Yeah. Yes. I would love to hear a piece of advice that you could tell your younger self, should your younger self even begin to listen? Hmm. That's such a good question. And 
I preface this with some context that we're human and that means we're emotional. We are not logical and rational beings. I don't care how much someone thinks or believes that they are logical and rational. You are not. I'll tell you right now, you are not logical and rational. We are wired. We are neurologically wired to be emotional. That's not a negative thing. It's not a positive thing. It just is what it is. It's information right now. On average, 80% of all the decisions we make in life are driven by emotions. We use logic and rational thought to support the emotional decisions we make. That's being human. And with that context, using emotion as a driver, the advice is, is simple. It's just be kinder than I feel. That would be my advice to me. And it would be to anyone else as well. Be kinder than you feel. You know, life can be hard. It throws things at you daily that can be really tough and can trigger emotions and influence emotions that become behaviors. And if in any given moment, I can simply pause and be mindful of no matter how I feel at this exact moment, I'm going to choose to respond or to act or behave in a way that is more kind than the emotion is that I'm feeling. You know, and imagine if it's a positive emotion, I feel really positive and I'm still kinder than I feel in that moment too. That's the piece. I need to put that on a wood wooden plaque and stick yes. over my desk somewhere. You know, I would. You 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 <laughs> do you it, go. and I'll buy one. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's great. Hey, Andrea here. Have you seen our social media pages? Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on our website, www.positiveleaders.com. And if you like what you see there, be sure to give Rhonda and Linda a shout out over at Dog Days Consulting. They do all of our social media management. They even built our website. Those ladies can work some creative magic for your business and your brand. Check them out on Facebook at Dog Days Consulting or visit their website at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. So at this point in the show, we're going to go into the rapid fire. Tell me about your most epic failure that has left a lasting impact. Unintentionally, I made a, a CSR cry. Tell me about your proudest moment. There's a keynote that I have given several times, and part of the closing is I challenge people to do something for 20 consecutive days. A year and a half later, I got a card in the mail, and it said, I, I just wanted to let you know that I followed through on your talk. It took a year and a half of consistent effort before I could finally string together 21 consecutive days, not 21 days total, but consecutive days of random acts of kindness. My 21 days are now complete. And for my 21st random act of kindness, I'm sending this thank you card to you for initiating this experience. Why veterinary medicine? What do you love about our profession? The people. Self-care, how do you practice it? How do you decompress? I have to sweat. I have to run. Let me run, bike ride, swim. Think of it as an extreme. I can't go for a, a mile run. Give me five, six, seven, eight miles. That's a good warm up. How do you balance work and life? And do you experience any work guilt in that balance? I don't. Not in this phase of my life. What keeps you up at night? Things that stress you out or cause you anxiety in your current business or life? One of the top three important things to me it's the potential of disappointing other people. It's a fear and it's a driver. And what gets you up and out of bed in the morning? What excites you to start your day? First, of course, are the pups. My wine miner is nine months old now, so she's the first up. 
and and it is an, it is up in excitement and it's it's one of those for me it resets perspective uh the next is just it's connected to the night before when i'm kept up it's that opportunity to then deliver what color best describes you and why uh you made this one easy on me david i'm colorblind so i've always gone with gray if you could be any animal what would it be and why the current one is ganesh as an elephant awesome well, Rob, it was so great thank you. to have you back this on the amazing. show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you um, so much. I, I appreciate both of you. The two of you are everything that's right for this industry. Uh, <laughs> I wish you all. You really are. You thank know you, you are. You will always have my love and support. And I appreciate your support and, and inviting me back on. I so much appreciate for you. I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Rob, can you tell our listeners if they want to reach out to you and learn more about you and Best Consulting, can you give us a shout out of where they can reach you? Sure. You, know, you can always just go to the website, bestleadership.com. If you want to have uh, more direct contact, my email is rob at bestleadership.com. And, and if you just want to look up for some content, go to rbest13 on Instagram. And from there, you can find my best leadership content. You can find my content for Bentley and Barca, my, my pups. You can also find my, my LinkedIn through our best 13 as well. So pretty easy to find. I'm out there. Excellent. Thank you. For all the positive leaders listening out there, we hope you learned something to take back to your practice to put into use tomorrow. We want to hear from you, good, bad, and everything in between. So email us at positiveleaders at gmail.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. Want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast? Email us. Want to have your You Can't Make This Shit Up story featured? Email us. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Positive Leadership Podcast. And be sure to rate us check out our website at www.positiveleaders.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. And as always, catch us on all the socials. This is Andrea. And David. Signing off until next time. Stay happy and sane. The Positive Leadership Podcast is solely for informational purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided in this podcast are general in nature, and such information, statements, comments, views, and opinions, and the receipt of this podcast by any listener are not intended to be and should not be construed as the provision of any business advice. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers and guests, are those of Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and their guests only, may not be current, and do not represent the statements, comments, views, and opinions of any other person or business entity. Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and or the Positive Leadership Podcast do not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage of any kind whatsoever, is expressly disclaimed.